have this thing that I, I think sometimes, like when we get together with our most loved people, like with our closest people, we like kill each other with food, like with the worst food. I'm like, like, don't you want to feed the people you love? Like, like, why do we do that to each other? Like you should, when you're gathering with the people you love, you should be like filling them with like the most nutritious, healthful things. And yeah. instead we come together and it's like, we literally take that as an excuse to like eat the worst stuff ever. And like, like, so I don't know, I, I, I guess to answer the question is I, I've just tried to be really um, kind of supportive, non-judgmental, be like encouraging, you know, send recipes, send research, send articles, you know, I'm like, hey, here's, I just watched this video with Dr. Neil Bernard, like, you know, check this out. Like, you know, my dad is a, is a doctor and, you know, very science based. And, and so he was like, you know, but he's listening to someone who kind of speaks his language and all of a sudden he's like, huh. Uh, he's like, actually, yeah, I didn't really study nutrition in medical school, so. Right. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. Nicolette here, and we are coming up to the end of an incredible year, almost year two of COVID, year two of our podcast, year two of celebrating the fact that we are still in business, despite the fact that unfortunately, 5,000 different restaurants across Canada have had to close their doors during this pandemic. And we are just so grateful to all of our customers, our listeners, everybody who have continued to put their health first on this journey uh, through COVID in learning and discovering and unpacking what it all means. You have continued to still put food, food that heals, food that doesn't cause harm, food that we created the green mustache into your bellies. So we just want to give a shout out to all of our incredible fans and customers for supporting us as well during this, uh, this incredible year. Now, as we're winding up, we're going to be sharing with you all of the different things that we are launching over the coming year in 2022. I feel it in my bones that 2022 is going to be an amazing year for so many people. There have been new businesses that have grown out of COVID uh, thanks to government funding. There has been people who have had the time to exercise and move their bodies in ways that they love and learn how to cook well. And they have developed the momentum through the energy that they've created to be able to take their gifts and actually turn it into a business to support other people in realizing their innate amazing gifts and potential. So I look forward to supporting those businesses. And on the flip side, there have also been many people who have suffered from mental health and anxiety and depression as a result of this pandemic. And again, we just want to let everybody know, if you've been going through that, please reach out to your local community members who work in the mental health field and just let them know how you're doing. Let them know what you need and even let them know that you don't know what you need right now because it's so important in this pandemic of isolation 
that uh, we step forward, that we ask our loved ones if they need support, if we identify anybody in the community that we need that needs support, that we just help direct them to the right places. And of course, you can always reach out to me at Richer Health, Nicolette at richerhealth.ca and at The Green Mustache, because we have a team that is here and able to support you if you need the extra support to figure out you know, how to take that first step to increasing energy in your body, healing your gut microbiome, which then heals your brain, gives you energy, or maybe you just need a shoulder to cry on. Maybe you just need an ear, someone who's going to listen to you. We are here for you because that is the work we do with all of our clients is not only helping them reverse their chronic disease, but also helping them reverse their mental health conditions that are not letting them thrive in this beautiful world. So we're here to help you with that. As we move forward, we're super excited to bring Peter Katz onto our podcast because Peter is a Juno Award, a Canadian Screen Award, and a two-time Canadian Folk Music Award nominated singer and songwriter. And he's been described by so many of his fans, and I would describe him the same way, as being a thunderbolt for the soul. And he is exactly that. You're going to love the show with him. He just exposes his beautiful heart for us to learn from and grow from and grow alongside with. And I'm just excited to be able to share his wisdom with you. Alongside his career as an international recording artist, Peter Katz serves clients across the globe by delivering highly customized keynote concerts. And you're going to learn how Peter and I met and how we came to be here on the podcast. So in this show, I don't want to, you know, divulge all the secrets that Peter is about to share, but he's going to share his journey about how he went vegan. And more importantly, you're going to want to listen to the show because Peter has been able to impact so many people, including his family members on also how to go plant-based whole food. And as you know, getting your family members to change is like one of the hardest, hardest things to do because family members, family members never want to listen to other family members. They'd rather take advice from strangers before implementing something from that a loved one, especially someone in their household is going to say. And that's because they feel like they're being judged and they feel like, you know, you're there to witness every slip and fall. But Peter gives you incredible uh, tools to learn how to do that. And not only that, if you have never considered you know, eating vegan or plant strong or, you know, a nutritarian uh, lifestyle. That's what we promote here at Eat Real to Heal. Then you're going to want to listen to Peter's show as well, because he gives you the building blocks to doing that with ease. So it doesn't even matter what nutritional knowledge you have. You can implement what Peter has to say and get to work right now in your very next meal to turn your health and your life around. Now, jump on over to our website because we have a new website at The Green Mustache. And on it, you'll see all of our courses that we are launching in 2022. So definitely get on the wait list because they always sell out fast. And I hope you can join us in learning how to be an advocate for reversing chronic degenerative disease in your community or just in your own body. So let's jump into this amazing podcast with Peter Katz, and I will see you at the end. 
Okay, well, I, I literally just learned this from my friend, Dr. Robin Henley Defoe moments ago, and I just loved it so much that I was like, okay, I want to do this like at every Zoom meeting <laughs> or any, any kind of transition from one space into another, just as like a great grounding. So, so she said, uh, you know, just close your eyes and just feel yourself in your body and start imagining visualizing yourself at your birthday, this birthday party. And in front of you, you have your birthday cake. And however many candles you want to have on there. And you're just taking in this birthday cake and taking in this these candles. And then you're visualizing the people that are around you. So you're kind of zooming out, picturing this birthday cake, all these candles, and then all these people that you're aware of that are in the room that you have this real fondness for. And you can pick, it can be anybody you want from the past, present, or future. You can have everybody back in the room with you so maybe it's your grandparents or your parents or a friend or whoever, just people that you feel this real fondness for. And then you just blow out your birthday candles. do that a few more times. And the feeling to really focus in on is that feeling of fondness what it's like to be surrounded by those people that you have a fondness for. Mm. And then we can arrive. <laughs> I love it, Peter. Oh, I'm gonna teach that to my kids actually. That is amazing. That's a great way to start the day too, because the minute you started talking about the birthday, I was just like mm. in it and smiling and I can feel the excitement mm. and the anticipation and the joy and the love and the, yeah, that was beautiful. Wow. Well, yeah, that's Dr. Robin Henley. I, I, I want to pull up her notes on it because she, she sort of just gave me a little bit of the science behind it too, um, which I'm sure... You know, it, she said, I just want to share this. So she said, so you're picturing loved ones, a passive a sense of fondness. And, and it, it kind of, you're, you're hitting a few things at once because you're getting this visualization. Mm -hmm. You're getting this biological thing, which is the actual breathing. And then she said fondness, which is like 
it's a different quality than happy or joy. Yeah. It's like, it's something that brings a real sense of, of, of grounding and it, it, there's a richness Peace. to it. Yeah. So I love that. Oh, so. I love that. And the part two, <laughs> I was brought back to my fifth birthday and huh. I don't know why that birthday and all the people who were in the mm. room and my friends and seeing their faces and the part that it left me with is that, you know, especially being in the midst of COVID, we can't be with a lot of our loved ones right now, but just doing that exercise actually made it feel like they were there and present. And we were having an exchange of those emotions, which was hmm. just so beautiful. Oh, I love it. Nice. I mm. love it too. I, I, I just did it for the first time today. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is an amazing exercise. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> thank you. And thank you, Robin. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, one of my staff, she's been reading her book. Um, she's almost through, I think her book now. And she went back to listen to the music that you created as well to go oh, along amazing. with the, her book launch. And she just loved every aspect of it. What's the name of her book again? Let's just That's called Calm Within the Storm. That's right. And so that's the name of your song as well. And mm -hmm. yeah, she's got an incredible story and it's truly a book about resilience and I can't wait to dive into it and soak it up as well. So we'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, she's a, we're, we're co-creating like this 90 minute experience where it's kind of scientist and the artist do this, this 90 minute session to kind of help people kind of <laughs> recover and, and recalibrate, you know, that we're in kind of this this moment of transition right now, you know, where we're, we're kind of hopefully on a new threshold and, and we kind of need to realize that there was a real impact on us. You know, we all kind of scrambled to figure out these things and we kind of did it. And now it's like, how do we do this? Well, how do we like acknowledge what our hearts experienced and that we didn't necessarily take the time to acknowledge um, and then use that healing and that wisdom to kind of figure out how we're going to move forward. So I'm really excited about what we're building. Wow. That is it. That, that is so needed right now in the world, because I keep having this feeling of, um, I guess, you know, probably maybe it's anxiety or, uh, you know, this apprehension that we're just going to open up the world and people will mm -hmm. just go back to business as usual, but yeah. not process the fact that it has been, traumatic this experience for a lot of people even if your life was impacted in a positive way it's still it's it was still a pressure on the system right and you can't mm -hmm. just open up that pressure pot cooking pot you know like you don't do that like you have to let out the steam first and what you're saying it's almost like a rite of passage back into this new world mm -hmm. post-covid or you know, it's not post COVID yet, but it's true. I think that we, if we blindly just go into business as usual, or whatever the new normal is without actually acknowledging the vast amount of emotions that a lot of us mm -hmm. had to keep bottled up because there was no release. Like you could go dancing to release it. You can play football to release it. You can, you right. know, go out and party with your friends or what do whatever it is. And a lot of us, I don't know if we've done that. I think there's a lot of binge watching television there's we know that there's been a lot of people drinking more than mm -hmm. usual alcohol sales are up there's been some people who have found movement and exercise throughout this journey but then there's still a lot of us I think every single one of us have been impacted and to put words to those feelings I think is going to be really important before we kind of release ourselves back into this new world yeah yeah it's like uh you know when the 
soldiers came back from the war, they were different, you know? Yeah. And uh, at that time, we didn't have, you know, people would just say shell shocked or, you know, whatever they would say, but there, there, there is a, there is a quality, I think of, of PTSD that will need to be addressed. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. And as you, you know, I have three kids and my kids have, they seem to be so normal now with it like they just always have a mask on them they just Mm -hmm. kind of go about they don't talk about but I'm you know is there this underlying stress that's happening you know with all the amount of fear like I know they come home sometimes and you know certain kids have said things like oh my god we're all gonna die like and what is that like for that child who feels that way but what is that like for my children who are hearing somebody else process the same world Mm -hmm in that way and so yeah no it's um yeah that shell shock I mean I feel shell shock sometimes just when I go to the grocery store after I haven't been seeing a lot of people and yeah. all of a sudden you see somebody and you're like you well, do we can we touch can we not touch can we take our masks off like what do we do and yeah. how do we even host a conversation where do you even start like how have you been how's it been? how's it going <laughs> like right, none of the right. the old language seems to be um yeah fitting yeah Wow. Yeah, I, I last summer when the the restrictions eased up, I, they allowed like sort of you know out larger outdoor gatherings, and so someone hired me to come play like this outdoor thing in a park, you know, and 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 uh, you know it was just you know it was it was it was a kind of intimate gathering, but everybody sort of was on their little blanket, and but I was so overstimulated by the experience of having yeah. to talk to people. I could, I, I needed to like take a nap afterwards. Yeah. You know, I was just, which normally I, I, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of thrive off social interaction and, and, yeah. but I was like, like, did I just become an introvert? You know? That's so funny. I was just thinking that I've thought that yeah. so many times throughout this yeah. because I have felt, I'm like, maybe I've been actually like a closet introvert this whole entire time, but had just mm. maybe through conditioning express myself as an extrovert, but I'm actually an right. introvert or we're always mm. carry elements from both, you know, but definitely, yeah, the introvert in me now is, oh yeah, it is strong. Yeah, to the point where I'm like, don't invite me anywhere. I don't wanna go. <laughs> right. And needing to recuperate. But I also think that's a great thing because I think introvert, extrovert, doesn't matter, I think just breathing and taking downtime for ourselves after, you know, these big experiences or moments with lots of people, or even just, you know, like you started this whole, we are filming by the way, and this is the podcast. So this will all be included, but. Um, okay. All right. I didn't know. <laughs> we're just going to roll with this because this is good stuff, but I loved how you started it off with saying, you know, can I just fill my pocket and my bubble with the things I need with water, you know, and let's have this, this moment to transition from all the meetings that you're coming from and I'm coming from into this podcast. And what if we could include that every day in between every meeting and give ourselves Mm -hmm. that birthday breathing space, you know, before we move on to the next thing and actually acknowledge what we just did before we, you know, and set an intention for, what we're moving into you know and so that just in itself from this podcast we can wrap up because that's good stuff (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny I have you can't see it up on my wall but um you know sort of one of my my biggest inspirations and and uh a man who I wrote a song about and I I kind of tell his story constantly uh is a man by the name of Oliver Schroer and he was this uh, amazing Canadian violinist and um 
you know, I, I came to find out about him because he had, he was diagnosed with a terminal cancer. Um, and uh, he decided that he was going to play this final show. And he called this show Oliver's last show on his tour of this planet. Um, so he took this kind of whimsical approach to the last few months of his life. Um, and he played this show and, you know, sold out Trinity St. Paul's Church, this, you know, beautiful venue here in Toronto. And people came from all over the world. And he, he played this concert in this like silk robe for over three hours, just this amazing extravaganza. And then he walked off the stage and, and a month later he died. Um, but the thing that, you know, really hit me was this interview that he did with CBC where he was saying that when the doctors gave him the news that his condition was terminal and incurable, rather than having a feeling of panic, he was surprised to find himself overcome by this feeling of peace. Yeah. Because he realized that even though he had such a short amount of time left to live, he didn't need to change anything because he was already doing mm. exactly what he wanted to be doing with his life. So I just was so struck by this. And I ended up following his his blogs. He kept this beautiful blog as he was, you know, in his final final months. And one of the things that he said in that blog, that's which is up on my wall, um, is he talked about, you know, he's like, if I thought about the totality of of you know the people I want to meet with and the the albums I I want to play and like all these things that that I want to do get in before I you know before I'm done. Uh, I would just be overwhelmed, you know, and I, if I thought about, you know, the, the the treatments I have to go through, all these things, you know. So he talked about this thing that he, he coined this term called bubbles of calmness mm -hmm. and that he just moves from one bubble of calmness to another bubble of calmness. And it's like, okay, right now I'm visiting with my friend who for the last 50 years and this is maybe our last time talking to each other and I'm just going to be fully present in that bubble of calmness with them. And then in this bubble of calmness, I'm recording this, this album that uh, I, I want to record, uh, you know, he, he would record a song for each of his students, you know, and so he, he's like, Okay, now I'm doing this. And so I just love that idea of bubbles of calmness. And I guess just today, you know, I just thought of like, Oh, how can I bring that into going from zoom meeting to zoom meeting to zoom meeting. So I guess that's wow. where the birthday breathing will help us. Yeah. Wow, that is beautiful. I'm going to use that because as you were saying that, I was, yeah, just overwhelmed by the fact that I don't move from a bubble of calmness to a bubble of calmness. I move from a bubble of chaos to a bubble of chaos. And it's exciting and it's yeah. fun. And I think you can become addicted to that adrenaline rush as well. And, you know, and, and it's fun and exciting, but the moment you said bubble of calmness and to think that everything I'm doing right now, like even with writing my PhD, like it can be from a place of calmness. And what would I create from that space as opposed to the, yeah. you know, bubble of chaos, which I've always said, I, you know, chaos theory that beauty comes out of chaos, but at the same time, I think there's just like intense beauty that comes out of that calmness. And I want to transition to that. So I'm going to be writing <laughs> that and putting it right above my, on my wall here. So you can see it just bubble of calmness. Right, I'll, I'll send you the, the blog entry, but I, I also, the thing I like about that too, is, you know, I, I think we're, we're similarly hyper ambitious <laughs> doing many things, yeah. people. Um, and there's something about the bubbles of calmness concept that gives me like um, permission 
to be fully present in each thing that I'm doing yeah. so that, you know, cause I'm like, Oh, I'm trying to do this, 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 yeah. but it's like, I get to be in this bubble and I'm not worried about like, well, what is this adding up to, or, you know, what's, what's the calculation yeah. here? It's just like, okay, this is, I, I'm doing this thing for this moment and this is it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. Like I've, I tried to apply that. I, I don't know where I learned this. Somebody, you know, when you go to conferences and stuff like that, and you're in a room and there's like all kinds of people and there's like all kinds of different people that you could be talking to. Um, and somebody told me about like, whoever's in front of you is exactly the right person to be in front of you. And so like to not do that, like looking over the corner out of your eye thing, you know, and be like, okay, I'm going to be fully present with this yeah. person. It's kind of a similar concept. I'm just connecting them in my brain right now. Yeah, but no, I, I do that, you know, when in-person conferences were a thing, <laughs> that's yeah. what I, I started doing is like just full presence with whoever's in front of me. Yeah. Cause a lot of us go into those conferences, you know, with an agenda, like, Ooh, I need to talk to this person. I need to talk to that person. And then you might actually miss the person that's like right in front of you, the person yeah. who was not on the agenda, but they yeah. have so much to share and contribute that you can share and contribute and give. And it's through those mm -hmm. in, like amazing exchanges that you can never plan for where the magic really happened. Even just that happened with you and I at the one conference where you were, you know, we were both speaking, you were playing. And I do remember that like intense focus that you did give to me. And I think we exchanged at that event, you know, that led to, for example, me having your mom on our show and then now having mm -hmm. you on our show and, um, you know, ha having you write music, hopefully for our documentary and all of this, like it's, um, it was, yeah, and I wasn't expecting that, you know, I thought I was there to talk to people about reversing disease and, you know, not to, to meet you. So, yeah. I'm definitely yeah, well, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt that as I was sitting there listening to you, I was like, Yes, <laughs> I, was like, I was just so pumped about what was happening, you know, because the 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 my level of passion for, you know, whole food plant based eating and, and more than just that, but you know, like the, the lie that we're that we're sold, um, you know, like it breaks my heart, you know, where you go to like, you know, it's like, here's a, a run for the cure or whatever. And then they're like handing out, you know, bacon cheeseburgers. And I'm like, it's, it's like right there in front of you, you know, like, so I went just like the truth that you were speaking, um, you know, in an environment, you know, that could really, you know, I, I won't disclose, <laughs> you know, who the conference or was that ever, I don't know if there's whatever, but, you know, like, you know, people that could, influence, you know, decisions or, 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 or those kind of things. And, and in an environment where, you know, they probably were not expecting what you were delivering. Um, they they weren't, weren't necessarily all open to what you were delivering, but you were delivering the, the, the truth, you know, and, mm. and it just, so I was sitting there listening to you and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I am so happy about this and and if this is like if this is the start of people talking about this openly yeah. then hallelujah because i it's i couldn't be more excited about it well and that's yeah it's interesting everything that you're saying because there's so many elements in that to just unpack for example and i won't mention the event as well because you know we don't want to 
point a finger or anything at anyone, but it, it's true. Like, you know, I was hired to come speak at this event. I was hired to come speak about, you know, health and reversing chronic illness and food as medicine. And of course I get up there and I speak it and, you know, I'm not going to, I can't sugarcoat it. I can't, I'm not going to, you know, dumb it down. I'm not going to be like, yeah, you can eat your junk food and still be healthy. Like there's none of that. Like, it's like, Hey, you know what, if you want to be healthy, we're talking about eating real food and what is real food and mm -hmm. having to break down all of those myths. And then in, it was interesting because I know the organizer of the event afterwards, like through the feedback that we got, they were like, it was, it was almost like it was too much, too much truth, right? It would be like going right. into, you know, uh, a, you know, a Catholic school and tell them, telling them that Muhammad exists, you know, and that's actually who we should believe instead. And, um, right. And I think it was like a shock to their system like that. And it was definitely evident through the people at the conference afterwards, they were like, oh my God, like they said, there were people who said similar things and the questions that they had too actually showed that they had never considered food on that level. But to have you honestly, like you were saving grace that day because <laughs> I could tell by the looks on people's faces that they were like, okay, a little, this is more information than I can handle. Like, you're telling me that the pizza we're about to eat is actually not real food, you know, and, and right. you were like, no, this is amazing. I've been, you know, vegan plant-based for all of these years. And, you know, I helped my mom transition. Like your story was just awesome. And I, I have to say, thank you for being there that day because um, otherwise I could have left feeling like, am I crazy? Like, you know, like, is this true? <laughs> you know, the stuff that I'm teaching, because just the look on people's faces, I definitely was for sure an outcast that day. <laughs> Well, I went out of my way, I went out of my way to walk up to the organizers and just commend them on having brought you in. And I think I even sent an email afterwards, just reinforcing like, hey, you are pioneering real change, you know, by bringing Nicolette in. So <laughs> I, wow. I really went out because, uh, yeah, I think the situation was like, you know, they were hired to, to like, a, in a sort of consulting way to bring people in. And so I think they, they were like, feeling nervous about it. I was like, No, 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 you just did a, your heroes, you know, so um, that was, I hopefully I, I helped to. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. You would have. And because that, yeah. that, yeah, that reinforcement does need to happen. Because I think there's a lot of people out there currently right now. I mean, I just had two clients um, and, you know, they're in their seventies and they've just, you know, years and years and years of being on diabetes meds and heart disease meds and, um, and a whole schwack of other meds to manage all of the symptoms caused by and the side effects caused by those drugs. And, you know, at 10 days in their doctors are pulling them off their drugs. Like you don't need these mm -hmm. anymore. Like your blood pressure is normal your cholesterol is coming down. Your diabetes is, you don't need this, you know, these meds. And, but for them, it was brand new. Like this knowledge was brand yeah. new in 2001. So people do need that reinforcement because if one person's telling them that's just quackery, right? Like, right, you know, for this right. audience, for example, but to have somebody else come in and be like, Hey, you know, just want to let you know, like good on you for trying something new or good on you for reading that book or good on you for watching that documentary. And then having a third and a fourth and a fifth person. And for some of these people, yeah. it takes it can take years before they arrive at that place where they're even willing to take action to change their lifestyle and their diet and, you know, and everything, because it's a lot to process when you've been told your entire life that you better eat meat because you won't get protein and you better drink milk because you need your calcium and you better put table yeah. salt on everything because you need, you know, you need salts. Like what, what are these right. myths that have been perpetuated for so long, but how do we, 
like, I don't know, my question to you maybe because you've done it so well with your family is how do we like chip away at that? Or do you just come in with like a hammer and like sledgehammer and like blast down the mountain? Like, how do you get through? How do we get through? Well, I've tried to be like uh, gentle, but persistent, you know, and, um, you know, and to really like meet people where they're at. Uh, like, uh, it sounds funny because I, I don't want to paint a picture of my mom as someone who's like, um, uh, however this might paint her. But when I when I first told her, you know, that I was, you know, going vegan, whole food, plant based, she said, why are you isolating yourself from society? Like those are her exact words. Um, and, you know, less than a year later, she was vegan herself. So um, so it just got in kind of, sh and, and she was like, she's like, I love meat. Why would I stop eating meat? You know, and, 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 and my mom was healthy, you know, like my whole life, you know, we, we, you know, if there were cookies in the house, which was very rare, you know, there was a literally a sign out sheet and you were allowed, you know, like your one cookie a day or whatever you had to sign your name, the cookies were counted. Like, you know, like she was healthy like she we thought that low fat you know was 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 the the healthy way of the you know 80s and early 90s and like you know that was you know not that i'm saying fat is great but i'm saying like that was like something could be just full of sugar and have no real ingredients in it it was you know it was labeled as as health food you know yeah. snack wells or you know whatever the the things that were just you know not healthy not whole foods um, so my mom was somebody who was really open to, to healthfulness, but she just had the wrong information. And, mm -hmm. and, and as a result, despite being healthy her whole life, she was diabetic. And, you know, it was like, well, these are just my genes. You know, my mother was diabetic and it just runs in the family, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the end of the story first, which is, you know, three months after she went whole food plant-based, like she got her triglycerides back and they were like completely normal. They were, they were below, like her doctor was like, what did you do? Mm -hmm. uh, and she's like, well, my, you know, my crazy uh, vegan son uh, got me on this new diet. And, and so, you know, I just kind of gently shared the information and, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, what, what really did it was we were, you know, home over Christmas. And I said, Hey, can we watch uh, this documentary together? And we watched Forks Over Knives. Mm -hmm. And it was the scene where the guy who just had like, all of this medicine, you know, he had like a Ziploc bag yeah. with like all of this medicine. And my mom saw herself there and he was a diabetic. And she watched him go off a lot of those medications. And, she, you know, that was the that was the moment where she was like, huh, you know, maybe, maybe there's something here. And she's like, I don't like that. I'm taking more and more and more and more medications yeah. in order to. So, and then of course I really swooped in with like a lot of uh, encouragement and, and, you know, I would send recipes and I would, you know, get excited about things and check in on her and, and, you know, my sister was already vegetarian, but she went vegan and, and, you know, my my dad and and my stepmom you know they 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 haven't gone fully whole food plant based but they made a lot of changes wow. um you know in that direction and and so there's and you know i i just i don't know i i i just get emotional thinking about it i mean even 
I, I have this thing that I, I think sometimes like when we get together with our most loved people, like with our closest people, we like kill each other with food, like with the <laughs> worst food. I'm like, like, don't you want to feed the people you love? Like, like, why do we do that to each other? Like you should, when you're gathering with the people you love, you should be like filling them with like the most nutritious, healthful things. And yeah. instead we come together and it's like, we literally take that as an excuse to like eat the worst stuff ever. And like, like, so I don't know, I, I, I guess to answer the question is I, I've just tried to be really um, kind of supportive, non-judgmental, be like encouraging, yeah. you know, send recipes, send research, send articles, you know, I'm like, hey, here's, I just watched this video with Dr. Neil Bernard, like, you know, check this out. Like, you know, my dad is a, is a doctor and, a, you know, very science based. And, and so he was like, you know, but he's listening to someone who kind of speaks his language. And all of a sudden, he's mm -hmm. like, huh, uh, he's like, actually, yeah, I didn't really study nutrition in medical school. So, right. <laughs> you know, so yeah. and what, your mom's what is a nurse. And your mom was a yeah, nurse. My, yeah, she was a nurse. Yeah. So they both had a very kind of medical science background. And yeah, um, but this is, you know, this is not counter science. This is not like fringe, uh, you know, like lovey dovey, you know, this, this is like, you eat your and vegetables makes, and yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, you're actually ingesting somebody, something, you know, I'm like, what do you think it's going to do? Like, like, I don't understand why we're not more like alarmed by the things that we're ingesting. I mean, what, what, how do you get more sort of like, I, I, I intimate the word is the word that's coming to me, you know, but like something that you're like actually putting into your body and you, we don't care about what that is. Like, of course, it's going to have an effect on our health. Of course, it's going to have effect on our, on our energy levels and our mental health and our, our, our like everything that's going on in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've just tried to, to sort of gently spread the word. And, you know, I've had a lot of like my fans and stuff on, on my mailing lists and my, people that follow me on Instagram also kind of, take an interest and ask for recipes. And I always just try to try to offer it up, you know? No, that is a beautiful, yeah, it's a, I, I love it because that's ultimately what we need to do. We were just sitting um, in the car when we got back from running a bunch of errands and I was with one of my staff and, and who's amazing. And she's doing our program right now. And she's like, I just can't believe like how amazing my skin feels. And I can't believe like how easily the excess weight just melted away, even though I'm, she's eating like way more food than she's ever eaten before. And, yeah. um, you know, and so you get to eat and feel full and satiated, but it's a true satiation that doesn't leave you like being like, oh, I'm craving sugar, I'm craving salt, I'm craving all of these, you know, oily foods and, and processed foods. But that's what we were chatting about in the car is that you know, we, we have to remember to just share the information, right? So, mm -hmm. so much stuff is coming at us, but when we're moved by something and we have that aha moment, it's to take the time to actually say, you know what, like mom, dad, I care about you. Like here's what a documentary to watch, or how about if we just, and we talked about watching the documentary with them, because you mm -hmm. know that if you're just going to send them a book or send them a podcast to listen to, it's very different than if you actually do it with them, because then there's that emotional connection that's happening. And, you know, and they're mo most likely more willing to 
press play on the video, you know, or even like listen to the passage if you read it to them. So it's more of that intimate connection that we need to be having together, which ultimately was the way that it was done. Like when you asked about, you know, why, like, how are we not getting it that the stuff we ingest affects our body? But, mm -hmm. you know, again, like this is one part we we're talking about for our documentary, it's that disenfranchisement from the land, like going back mm -hmm. hundreds of years. And when we stopped working the land and stopped touching the soil and stopped breathing the fresh air and started, you know, to notice that, oh, right, there's when you're outside and you breathe fresh air and you smell a chemical, that chemical smells like a chemical. When you're inside breathing in chemicals every day, you forget that you're breathing in chemicals. You don't even, you're not even aware of it. And same thing with the food. And we've gotten to the point where now it's like people are lathering their bodies with like toxic beauty products and ingesting all this food that's not even real, but they're not realizing every single thing that goes in your body, whether you breathe it or drink it or eat it, you know, or smother it on your body, it's gonna end up in your body and have an effect. Yeah. But there's just like such intense disconnection from that. Yeah, I, I you know, I was thinking of the amount of times I've watched Forks Over Knives with people. I, you know, like the Star Wars fans that can tell you like what planet Boba Fett was from or whatever. Like I can do that with Forks Over Knives because I've seen it so many times. So, um, oh. yeah, I, and I, I totally agree. You know, it, it's, it's, I, and I, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I it's funny. I, I guess I feel angry about it sometimes, you know, that, that, that we, that we are don't that people don't have that information it just breaks my heart you know because it's it's like and it, i think it it is really hard for people to hear cuz like wait you're telling me like my dad didn't need to die you're telling oh, me God. that you know my my brother didn't need to have that heart attack like you're telling me like so people like I can understand what wh how upsetting that is, mm -hmm. um, but it's also like yes, that that is what I'm saying, you know. And and I, I'm I'm sorry, but you're still here, and there's other people that you love, and and there's there's a there is actually an incredibly simple path. <laughs> it's like so simple, you know. Like we don't. There, we don't need to like really complicate this like yeah. it's right there in front of us and and I just want everybody to just reach out and grab it and and you know I mean I know you know obviously we're, we're, we're focused in on the health aspect of it but I mean it's just it's just win 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 on so many levels when you think about you know what it is to like eat suffering when you think about what it what it the energy and resources that are required to to you know produce you know animals and you know the yeah. the diseases and the pandemics that are 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 caused by you know uh, you know putting animals together in these environments like and so on and so forth like yeah. it's just it's just such a win 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 when you make that switch um but truthfully i do tend to focus on the on the health aspect when i'm i'm trying to kind of get people on board because you know th there's just so much uh, guilt baggage whatever is attached to like eating animals and that kind of stuff but you know I think once you do make the switch then you can feel good about 
a whole bunch of other things too. Oh yeah. And, and it's true. Everybody's going to come in from a different angle, whether it's the environmental angle, like even when you were talking about how simple and easy it is, you know, it's so available to us in, in a lot of communities. We know that there's a lot of food deserts out there where they don't have access to this beautiful fresh whole food, but, you know, definitely for, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're probably somewhere in the world that you have a grocery store within 10 minutes of your house. And, and to be able to, you know, do it for health reasons. Yes. First and foremost, that is my motivation as well. But if you can imagine all of us eating this beautiful, freshly grown plant-based whole food, you know, that doesn't have to be in all the packaging. Like now it feels like we've gone back in time because of COVID where now everything is being individually packaged and we've returned to single use everything now, but grocery stores, like the number one contributor to all of our landfills is packaging. Right. Yeah. Packaging. And 99% of that packaging is literally used for one minute or less by an individual. (sighs) And it's just to basically put it in your car, get it home and take it out of the package, throw away the package. Right. So the consumer itself is only using that packaging momentarily. And 99% of our landfill waste is full of that packaging, as opposed to if we had all of the compost waste from all of this beautiful, you know, plant-based whole food, that compost waste, if it gets managed well, actually goes back into the earth in such a healthy way. And mm-hmm. without producing all the greenhouse gases, without producing all of this, you know, external waste that has to be managed and trucked off and transported everywhere. And then you think about the infrastructure needed just to manage our waste. Like it's, it's all interconnected. So like from an environmental perspective, makes sense. From a human health perspective, we know that the plant phenols reverse disease and protect us from cancer and reverse Mm -hmm. cancer. So from a health perspective, yes, for sure. From a social perspective, you know, one of the other elements too that, you know, you just made me remember and think about is one of my PhD colleagues was looking at the um, society's, um, you know, detriment to having all of these individuals working in slaughterhouses and there's more crime and rape and domestic abuse um, suicide Mm. violence on all levels amongst workers in these slaughterhouses from the trauma Uh that they experience but they suppress and so then that suppression of anger and guilt and shame and um, fear and you know like you know, comes out in all these other ways, quite violent and aggressive ways. And all the people that are impacted that by that, hmm. right? So we have this so- society's effect. That. And I had not thought about that either until wow. she started presenting her research. And so then we have that, you know, and, you know, so environmental health, social, I mean, you know, and then the humane reasons, of course, of the suffering, you know, that yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah, no other society has done it as brutally as we have when it comes to industrial farming practices. It's it's horrific. So for your mom, I want to go back to your mom for a little bit too. And just for yeah. everybody who's listening, we're definitely going to have Peter's mom's podcast um, in the show notes, so you can go back and listen to her story because it was it's just a beautiful story. But um, one of the parts that I just wanted to um, touch on is, so in your family, your sister is already vegetarian, your mom, your dad's a doctor, he started to yeah. eat, he, he started to also change his eating habits. Yeah, uh, my, uh, yeah, so my, my dad is a, is a doctor and, and his, my stepmother is a, is, is a nurse, retired nurse, and, mm-hmm. um, and she uh, actually went through a, a 
you know, uh, breast cancer. And, and, uh, and so, you know, the documentaries <laughs> caught their attention as well for obvious reasons. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they, they made a, you know, a, a lot of changes in that direction. They, you know, they completely cut out um, all, all meat except uh, fish, you know, um, which there's lots of reasons not to eat fish, but you know, that, that was. Uh, Those are still uh, huge a, changes to make. Yeah. yeah to step narrow it down. in the right direction. Yeah. Totally. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they replaced their dairy with, uh, you know, plant-based and, um, so it just went a lot more in that direction. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, that, th that was definitely the hardest, um, sell, you know, because, you know, my, my dad is, is, you know, just very much that, that kind of science-based person and sort of, uh, you know, uh, I, I think he initially interpreted this under the category of sort of like alternative medicine, which he, you know, he has been, uh, you know, very sort of against, um, and, uh, you know, I guess we don't need to open that can of worms necessarily, but, um, but nevertheless, you know, I was like, no, this, this is, this is like, consider this new research, you know, yeah. <laughs> like this is, this is very much science-based and, you know, it was, it wasn't until I, I sort of hit, got him turned on to like Dr. Neil Bernard and Dr. Dean Ornish and, um, and, you know, and their sort of high profile, you know, clients, um, that he sort of started kind of paying attention and he, he particularly liked Dr. Neil Bernard and, and, uh, and, um, and, you know, th that just kind of slowly was like, Oh, and, and, you know, and the claims that were being made um, were accurate to him. He's like, yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we didn't really study nutrition and, and, um, and, you know, the, the whole sort of, uh, foundation of, of 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 medicine is 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 not generally based on prevention you know yeah. um it's based on treatment and, and prescription and, and again i'm not i am I'm, I'm a i really believe in conventional medicine in in, in so yeah. many so many ways absolutely it's, 100%, it's uh, yeah given all of us longer lives and and a lot of innovation and you know so on and so forth yeah. um but it doesn't mean you know, the, the very nature of science is, is, is exploring these things and creating hypotheses. And, yeah. and, and, um, and so, you know, but the, the, the evidence was, was compelling enough that, uh, that he, he started making those shifts. So and, yeah, he's, yeah. he seems, you know, he's about to turn 80 and, and uh, is, you know, healthier than, than he's been. Wow. And so one question I have around that, just the fact that your mom's nurse and your, um, you know, your dad's wife is nurse and your dad, you know, is a doctor. So did they have stories about sharing their experience with others? Because I know that, you know, I trained physicians and they've gone off and they're like, they're now fully converted into the world of food as medicine like they're like oh my gosh the science has been yeah. there for 150 years but then they try and share it with their colleagues like the people that they worked with for 30 years and their colleagues are like no and they honestly take everything that this person has created in their life their credibility and their their knowledge and everything and all of a sudden it's like that person that physician no longer is like considered credible right. anymore just from simply saying hey you know what we should be eating more plants and do you did your dad have stories of that and your mom uh he, well they both have shared it so he he wasn't you know he shared it with um mostly he shares it with his patients uh, and mm -hmm. so often i'll get a 
an email where he's CC'd me on an email with a patient and he wants me to send them uh, information. Um, so yeah, so he shared it with his patients and then, uh, and my mom actually, I was coaching her a little bit because she did a presentation for her church group and, um, and they, you know, over zoom, they, they cooked it, cooked a meal and it was like a, a vegan chili and she kind of showed them how, you know, it could be just as delicious. And she talked a bit, I, I sent her some articles and sort of some key talking points and she, um, so she was shared this with her church group and she said it was really well received. And, and, and she said, people were like, you know, had never even heard of this information. You know, she, she lives in, yeah. in, in Michigan, but the information that she shared, um, you know, was, was novel information for them. And, and, and she said they really they enjoyed it. They, they all cooked the same recipe. And, um, and she said that, you know, they, they all loved it. And, uh, and yeah, had a really positive experience. That's amazing. Yeah, so it was, uh, you know, it was it was the, the like the first time that they were getting that information. But you know, they were they were really receptive to it. They said they all loved the recipe. Uh, like my mom said, they all loved the recipe. And and you know, she also just shared some of the the information around it too, because they were they were genuinely curious and and you know so. Yeah, I, you know, she, she didn't get any kind of negative pushback or, you know, um, <laughs> stop pushing your cultish ways or anything like that. Like they were, they were pretty, pretty receptive. And, and, you know, like I said, with my dad, too, you know, the, 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 I think there's, there's an there's a, there's something in the air, like people, like, you know, you even see billboards now for like, you know, major restaurant chains advertising, you know, plant-based stuff. And so there, there is a, there is a, a, a wider awareness that, that something is amiss, I guess. And so people are a little more open to it than they, they would have been previously. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I always, um, to me, it feels like it's mainstream compared to where, you know, this was 20 years ago when yeah. I first started learning about it. And, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's, I mean, you see it in the food sales, we know that it's not mainstream, we know it's only like a very tiny percentage of the population that still has actually yeah. made the changes, but it's true. The messages are there, people are seeing it in lots of different ways. We've got big, massive industry that's switching over from dairy production to plant-based milk productions. We have, you know, I think it, we're in that stepping stone phase where even the other day, my husband who started a band a couple of years ago, uh, they just got their, you know, a paid gig, which is really exciting. So they got to play um, at a hotel the other day. And, you know, this hotel just announced that they had a new vegan menu. And I was so excited. I'm like, I get to watch my husband play. It's been a year and a half. My daughters were so excited. Plus they had a vegan menu and right. it was all processed vegan food. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. And you know, so again, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's now like becoming mainstream, but then also remembering we're still in that stepping stone phase to remember that, okay, yeah. yes, I can, I don't know, I don't actually agree with the whole stepping stone phase. I don't agree with the impossible burger with the, you know, right. beyond meat products. Um, I think they're going to do more harm than good. They're still full of so much refined food. They're isolated proteins, which is actually very harmful to the body. There's so much sodium and et cetera. You know, but I also didn't want to take away from the excitement. But then I, again, you know, we, you were talking about truth earlier and I was like, I yeah. cannot not tell them 
that there is another way, you know, and, yeah. and that they can do it. And if you need my support, I want to help your restaurant, you know, it was actually at the four seasons. So for the four seasons, if you're listening, I want to help your chefs, like take that next step to, right. you know, really just getting intimate with the real foods and real flavors and, and not the, this intermediary stage that I think the world is taking right now in the plant-based vegan world, but, but we're getting there. Yeah. And I, 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 it's funny, I, I t when people sort of ask, you know, about my, I, I say whole food plant-based instead of vegan, because, you know, yeah. there, there's this, there's this thing that like, well, I went to a vegan place and it was not really healthy, you know, or like, yeah. you know, chips and Coke and a or stack of Oreo cookies is vegan. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I really say, no, it's, a, it's like whole food plant-based and, and that, that's kind of an important distinction, but it's, I, I like your story about you know, your husband, because I, I realized that things were changing. Uh, you know, when the Raptors were had their big, you know, run in 2019, uh, you know, some friends of mine, <laughs> we went, went to a bunch of the games and we were in the like the most like bro sports bar ever. Um, and they had a vegan menu. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I was like, okay, things are changing. If it's like, if it's gone to this level, and like sports club 648 or whatever it was called like you know like i i was i would never have gone there regularly but it was hard to get a seat anywhere in in toronto so well you know, the fact that they had a, a a vegan menu and they actually had it wasn't all just like impossible burgers and stuff they actually had like some kind of a thing that had vegetables in it but um, <laughs> yeah well and yes okay and you know what four seasons you're yeah. doing a pretty good job because you did yeah, have yeah. a beautiful like zucchini eggplant you know green bean curry that was really actually very tasty so yeah there was definitely right. some vegetables real food whole food yeah. vegetables um yeah you reminded me of when i was uh, biking in moab probably 20 something years ago now and we had gone into a cafe and you know been at the end of a super long day and um and I asked the woman I was like the server she said what can I get for you and I said oh well you know do you have any veggie burgers I, I didn't see one on your menu she was like hold on a sec and she went into the kitchen and she came back like 10 minutes later just looking so disheveled like she had just gotten into a fight or something and her hair is standing on end and she's like I found one at the bottom of the freezer I knew that we had one left <laughs> And this frozen veggie patty that she's holding in her hand, like still has a wrapper around it. And I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, I don't know how old it was, but yeah, definitely Moab now is like a hotspot for vegan and vegetarianism and plant-based eating wow. inside. Yeah, it's definitely, so things have changed. We're getting there. We're getting there. But what is, what is it like for you? Cause you, well, let's go back to before COVID. I know you're busier now. Uh, since COVID, you were telling me when we chatted last time that you've been really yeah. busy. But when you were on the road before, what what was that like for traveling and trying to eat well? Well, I mean, it, it got easier and easier. You know, like I I, I started, um, you know, touring pretty heavily in two thousand and six, and 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 although, so I actually I started as a vegan when I was like 16. Um, and then I went back to being a, a vegetarian for most of my adult life. Uh, and then I went full vegan again, uh, about five years ago. And, and then, you know, I'm vegan for life now. There's no, like, it's just clearest day to me. You know, like when I was 16, um, I just didn't have enough information and, and, yeah. uh, 
so when I went back to being vegan, it was, you know, very clear and, and I, I did it, you know, with a lot of thought behind it. Um, but yeah, so, you know, in the early days when I was just vegetarian and, you know, it was, it was just a lot of like Subway sandwiches and stuff, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. but, you know, I, I, it's funny, I have this like file on my phone that is like all the, all the places across the country although now I just use the happy cow app which I, yeah. I love and it just tells me you know it's I I don't find it hard at all like I I I really I mean every now and then like I did a tour in in like northern northern rural Ontario like you know and it was a little bit challenging you know right. and and so then I I just kind of I, you know, and I do this like mentoring work with, with teenagers out in, in Alberta in the summer. And, you know, it's a little bit challenging there. Um, so I'll, I'll just bring, you know, I'll bring like a greens powder and some, you know, protein powder. And like, you know, I, I don't, I don't love to like just rely on that stuff. Like I'd still mm -hmm. rather just like get it in a, but you know, if I, if I have a little period of time where I need to make sure I'm getting some nutrients, then I'll, I'll sort of compensate um but yeah it, it's just not i just don't find it that difficult anymore like i i don't even think about it like it's it's right. it's just not it's not hard you know <laughs> like yeah. I, I, I like because there's so many options and, and you know there's there's places like where you can get you know like fresh make your own salads or whatever you know like um you know like places like green mustache or places like in Alberta, there's a place called leaf or, you know, there's like, you know, even freshy, those kind of places yeah. like you, you have, I have options now um, that I, that I didn't used to have. And yeah. so don't get me wrong. I still, I, I, nobody eats as well as I do is when I'm home, you know, and, totally. and I'm, I'm cooking and I'm doing my meal prep, you know, I just like, I'm in love with cooking and, um, but yeah, I just, I really just don't find it hard. And that's something that people always say like, oh, it's so hard, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, really, it doesn't have to be that hard. Like I, I do my meal prep, you know, and I've got my, you open my fridge and there's, you know, some like roasted sweet potato or beets diced up or some zucchini or some mushrooms or whatever. And I've got, you know, always like, you know, bins of fresh greens and, and, you know, I've got, you know, whether it's, you know, soybeans or tofu, or it's got stuff marinating or, you know, Literally. and I can just, you know, and I, I always like cook up like a, you know, big thing of quinoa or grain or whatever. And you just like, I can throw together the most amazing meal in less than 10 minutes. You know, it's yeah. like, I, I, I kind of have this like building blocks concept. It's like, you know, a bunch of stuff that's green, you know, yeah. something that's like, a bunch of stuff that's like fresh, you know, like, you know, grated carrots, grated beets, you know, what, what do you know, fresh tomatoes, whatever it might be. Yeah. And then one or two things to like add a little intrigue, like whether that's roasted Brussels sprouts or, you know, roasted sweet potatoes or something that, you know, gives you that little something. And, the, and then, you know, some kind of like, you know, whether it's edamame beans, like soybeans or tofu or tempeh yeah. or you know, whatever. And then and then a sauce, you know, so I'll have, often have like multiple sauces. And again, totally. you can make really healthy sauces that are, don't have oil in them. And it's just so easy. You just have to kind of learn a new way of, of doing it. But, you know, most people learned how to like, 
sear a steak or you know mashed potatoes or whatever it's just yeah. it's just a, 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 a it's just a new little vocabulary that you learn how to steam greens and you learn how to you know you learn what tahini is and you learn what nutritional yeast is totally. and, and and all of a sudden you can do all these things that 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 are just make you feel so good you know like i i i i never struggle with energy yeah. I, I i'm just yeah people are always scratching their heads as to how i have all this energy i'm like it's just right there it's it's look right in my bowl <laughs> well that's the part to you i was chatting with um one of our board members and she's been vegetarian for a really long time but she just read dr t colin campbell's book the china study and mm -hmm. and i loved what she said because she's like oh my oh my god nikki like there's real hard science behind this and i said Oh yeah, we have like population studies going back decades and clinical trials yeah. going back decades that show exactly what you said. You eat this way, you get more energy. You eat this way, you live longer. You eat this way, you live longer disease-free because isn't that the ultimate goal? It's you want, if you're going to live to longer, we don't want to be suffering, right? right? And suffering with arthritis and high blood pressure and diabetes and, you know, a, you know, chronic everything. And so, um, and so, but I love this is the the proof in the pudding for her because she's in her 50s maybe even going into maybe 60s even getting into her mm -hmm. 60s and she said you know before she switched to plant-based whole food like when she was maybe vegetarian but maybe unhealthy vegetarian yeah. but now like full-on vegan plant-based whole food she's like she can run five six seven days a week and still have energy whereas before she could do like three 45 minute runs in a week but then would have to rest and it's true, like you're building your mitochondria, you are actually literally creating more ATP energy. And mm -hmm. that energy needs to go somewhere. So where's it going to go? It's going to go into fueling you for your runs or for being creative for your music or, you know, allowing you to sign up for extra classes like pottery or whatever it is that you want to engage in, you now actually have the energy for it. And for me, I always know when I've had a really good streak of like eating clean like it's not just about eating mm -hmm. healthy it's about eating like just so clean so that those nutrients like everything is running so efficiently in your body and for me my sign is when i want to clean my house when i'm like let's do it like i want to do dishes kids mm. you don't have to do the dishes kids i'll take care of it like i always know like okay this is good i've had a good streak of eating well um but yeah you get like unlimited energy and people ask me the same thing they're like how do you do all of this and i'm like well i have great staff but it's because of my eating. Like that's the only thing I can attribute it to. And do yeah, I remember I when I was on tour, like when I was just vegetarian, you know, I would always like, there would be this like big dip in the afternoon, which I know, yeah. like I, I've studied sleep as well. And I know that that is kind of normal for us to, to, to have a bit of that dip. Um, but I, I don't struggle with that anymore. You know, yeah. like I, I, I really don't. I, I, I am, you know, like yesterday I, I had two keynotes in a day and it was, it was like a big day. I had like six keynotes in 72 hours and I was just going, going, going. And then, and then after all that, I, I went out for a run for an hour, you know, yeah. and, and I was like, and, you know, I'm, I'm almost 40 years old and, you know, and so I'm not like a kid anymore. And, and it's, and I, and I, I would say I have more energy now than I did five years ago and yeah. and and i i i you know i might like you know I, I was always like healthy but my body just kind of leaned out a bit and then you also just 
there's there's this other effect which is like when you tune in to, to like what you were just describing of like you know we it's not that we want to be afraid of dying young it's that we want to be afraid of like spending the last third of our lives or or half of our Longer. lives with like chronic health conditions right yeah and so i feel like there's also something about when you start eating in that way your body it like starts like loving you back mm -hmm. and and you start really thinking of everything that i'm putting in my body and you yeah. cut you're like and like eating and exercising and all and the meditating and anything like it starts to become this like gift that you're giving yourself yeah. and it, it has this momentum to it and so i really I mean, I don't know if it's just me because uh, I, I also had some experiences in my life. Like I, I had like I had a cancer scare when I was 19, you know, where I was you know, hospitalized and kind of uh, in and out of hospital for a couple of years. And then a few years ago, I, I, I actually doing the mentoring work, I actually fell off a cliff and shattered my ankle and couldn't walk for a year. So like now when even when I can just walk. I sometimes am moved to tears that I can walk. And mm -hmm. but I, I just sort of feel that thing about my body of like. Like this is this is my one vessel. This is this is the the thing from which I do all these things. This is this is the thing I do to use to give hugs. This is the thing that I that I use my mind to write my songs. This is the yeah. this is the thing that allows me to, to to climb up to the top of the mountain and see the view. This is this is like this is my vessel and this is my one vessel. And everything that I do every day is like is an investment in that vessel. And mm -hmm. so I feel like obviously eating is is like the foundational thing but it creates a momentum for also like you don't want to drink 25 beers because yeah. you're like well that doesn't make me feel good either and you don't want to like abuse your body in in whatever all the different ways we abuse our body you know totally. so um it feels like a, a it's shifted not only like my eating but it's shifted the way that i feel and relate and connect to my body mm -hmm. and also you you know you remind me of my husband with his band and playing and when he plays like he's like he doesn't even want to drink alcohol because he he eats so clean so he knows that the minute he adds that it takes away from his creativity he says and it mm -hmm. takes away from his you know connection to the music whereas before when he used to eat steak and everything else, you know, he would drink beer and he would do all that. But it's, but I know for him too, what it's done, it's opened up that connection to self, but also connection to the activities that he engages in, like the creativity, the music, that soulfulness. And you have so much soulfulness in your music. Like your music is you know, it touches me to the heart. I know it touches other people to the heart. My husband listened to it, to your music. And um, we were going through some of your videos while we were laying in bed one night and he was moved immediately by it too. And, mm. and I've had so many clients say to me that when they have discovered this beautiful way of eating, which is just connecting back to their ancestral ways of eating, right? Like we've been eating this yeah. way for, you know, millions of years. And when they've connected back yeah. to that, they also say that that connection, like they have spiritual connection too, right? So first connection to self and that awakening and awareness of like, wow, this is my body and I want to care for it and I want to love it. But to care for it and love it means I need to care for my external environment as well, right? Like the soil mm -hmm. where the food is grown, 
the air that also manipulates how our food is grown, the water that we're drinking. And then they have that connection to other. And then from that, they have this even bigger connection to, you know, whatever we want to call it, whether it's spirit or soul or, um, you know, this universal connection. And I just think that that's, that's the part that I love watching the most is that transition that people take. And I can't help thinking how, because you discussed, you, you went vegetarian when you were 16 or vegan. Yeah, I actually went, I went vegan. So I, I moved out quite young. I moved yeah, tell out us about that story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just sort of the way life kind of played out, you know, my, my parents divorced um, and I was the youngest of four. And so kind of, you know, the house got sold, everybody was sort of scattered in different places. And, and so I, I ended up moving out at 16. I, I mean, you know, both my parents wanted me to, to, to go where they were going, but I didn't, I didn't want to move. Uh, my mom moved to the US. And, and, uh, yeah. and so, so I opted to just move out on my own. And I had always um, just kind of, I think I had just sort of, you know, intentionally, subconsciously, unintentionally, or maybe subconsciously just kind of like ignored uh, some of my feelings. But like, even when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. and when I go fishing with my grandfather, and the time to kill the fish, like I was upset, like I didn't want to kill the fish, you know, and I, I, yeah. I always just felt like I just wasn't quite in alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I moved out, I was kind of free to do whatever I wanted. And so I deliberately kind of immersed myself and I went to a seminar, you know, and like a, you know, a diet for a new earth and all that, all this kind of stuff. And, and I, I just, I just gave myself the information that I knew I wanted to get. Mm. And then I, I, I went home and I had a big cardboard box and I filled it up with all the meat and dairy products and gave it to my neighbor, um, which she was thrilled to receive. And, um, and that was it. I, I, I you know, I, I, as I said, I did go back to being vegetarian because at the time I hadn't done any, I, I was only doing it kind of for the compassionate reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know enough about the, the health and, and, you know, the, the right things to do. Uh, and I was a competitive swimmer at the time. And, and so I, I didn't sort of replace some of the things that I'd lost. And, and, uh, and I remember my girlfriend at the time was not so enthused about me going vegan and she made me a grilled cheese sandwich and she's like, you know, you want it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I caved. Um, That's like offering it, somebody cocaine. Like honestly, know, offering know, someone a cheese sandwich is the same as offering yeah. them cocaine. It is hard I to know. resist. Yeah. Yeah. So, although it's funny, I never went back to drinking plant milk. Um, and so, you know, but I, I did eat, eat eggs and, and, and cheese and those kind of things for, for, for a long time. Um, but I always felt like, I always felt like mm, I'm not doing the whole thing that I want to do. Like I always mm-hmm. felt just like there was, I just wasn't in alignment. Yeah. Um, and so I, once again, uh, it's funny, I, I, like I went through, uh, my own divorce <laughs> and, uh, and kind of re, you know, immersed myself in, in, and that was like six years ago. And, and, um, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to be in full alignment here. And, and then I, I really like kind of wanted to do it well. And I, you know, I, I've read everybody's books, you know, Dr. Michael Greger and T. Colin Campbell and, you know, yeah. Dr. Neil Bernard and, and, you know, all, all the people, um, Nick, Nicolette Richet, 
uh, <laughs> eat real to heal uh and uh and you know watched all the videos and and all the documentaries and all the things and and really just kind of fully committed to it and and it's it's just been I just got goosebumps. It's it's like mm. it's like the it's the best thing in my life, you know. And, yeah. and I have a lot of wonderful things, but it just feels, it just feels so foundational. And mm-hmm. and I think part of my success uh, in in sharing it with people and having people make this change, I think is is the authenticity and sincerity with which I, I come to it. You know, it's yeah. like I really do want them to to feel good and live long lives. And, and I'm sharing it from a place of love. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm really sharing this because I, I love you so much and I, I want you to be around. I want you to be healthy and, and, and I want you to know that like, you know, like 50% of people, 50% of Americans die from some kind of heart disease, like 50%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and like to, to, to know that, like heart disease and diabetes, like in almost all instances, I know there there are the exceptions, but in almost all instances, are preventable. Mm-hmm. Is like reversible. Mm-hmm. Is like that's a crime that that's not more widely known. You know, Dr. Neil Bernard he talks about that. You know, his father was a physician, and and that you know diabetes was not reversible. Like that doesn't exist. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, and so. I'm just so excited to talk about this with you because <laughs> like, it's like, it, it is a, it is a thing that you, I do post about it on my socials. You know, um, I was quite emboldened when the Canadian food guide came out, which I know yeah. you were, you were involved in. And, and I, I posted about that and, uh, you know, again, in, in a kind of gentle way, giving people the information, um, yeah. you know, my actual perspective on it is a little more forceful, but, yeah. um, I, I try to do it in a, in a way that's like palatable um, while not shying away from, from the, the, the truth. But um, yeah, anyways, I could just keep going about how, how passionate I am about this. And, and I really yeah. feel like um, it's, it's one of my life's missions to, to help people find their way there. Yeah, no, I, I, and I felt that from you, like the moment I met you like that. Um, and it was, a passion, but also an all knowing. That's the other side that I get from you. It's, and like you said, you know, that when you'd go fishing, you know, with your grandfather, that you would feel that, okay, this part isn't right. And I know that from my youngest daughter, um, even my oldest daughter, actually, like when they were, you know, little up until about age seven or eight, they like refused meat. They would like eat all the vegetables. And, and back then, like we used to cook chicken because I thought we, you know, well, my kids need the protein. And I was still in that place of, um, you know, where I, the science, because I get into the science and the problem is I can find you articles that will say that we need protein. But when you dive into the articles now that I know how to actually be a researcher and do, do research is that you see that actually, no, they're saying that, yes, we need amino acids. They're not saying we need protein. There's no scientific study in there that shows that eating mass amounts of protein from meat does your body good. There's not a single study. Um, But back then I didn't know that. So at the beginning I was like, okay. And so my youngest daughter, you know, she would eat chicken and spit out the chicken. Like she would not even want to ingest it at all. And my youngest, youngest daughter, she um, refused 
just absolutely like everybody's house she'd go to as a two, three, four year old, she'd be like, is that meat? I'm not eating it. Is that dairy? I don't want it. And it wasn't from us necessarily. Like she really, really, you know, she saw a, a, a I don't know, a pig roasting on a spit and bawled her eyes out. And she'd never yeah. seen a single documentary on like any of the documentaries. Cause we were like a little too young to probably watch a lot of these things in there. We don't want to traumatize her you know, but, and we were not talking about like, you cannot eat meat, you cannot, you know, be, for all the different reasons. But for her, she just like, literally had an innate sense that it wasn't right. And then she reached a point where she was like, Oh, my God, Mom, have you ever tasted salami? It's like so good. And she like, as a eight year old, I guess, pivoted, and which I was like, she's got to experience that for herself. But then now she's yeah. like, oh, as a 10 year old, she's like, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. Um, and it doesn't taste good actually. And so I think what you, that journey that you went through as well is natural. I mean, I've gone through it from being vegan to vegetarian, to eating meat, to going back and, and it all comes with, you know, how we come to learn about it, right? Is it the science that it's going to motivate us? Is it what part will motivate us in that moment? Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm just sort of having this new brainwave as I'm as I'm listening to you and sort of describing, you know, your daughter and this sort of like innate sense, right? And if you think about it, it's like think just like picture what it's like to walk up to a tree and pick an apple, you know, and that like there, there nothing comes up in your body that's like, you know, you're like oh, and you bite into an apple or you pick a blueberry, like it's just like now picture like grabbing a chicken and like you know like what you would have to do to get that chicken like yeah. you know, like like think about or a cow or, or like think about what it's like to hold raw meat you know like you know I don't know about you but you know my body is just like is upset by that you know yeah. and it's like people people are grossed out by raw meat they're like they're yeah. they're fine if it's like coated in bread and deep fried and it's called a you know a chicken burger and has tons um, of seasoning on it because they wouldn't <laughs> want it without the seasoning and the salt and the pepper and the everything else like they need yeah. to have that yeah but I'm, I'm just thinking about like I, I, this is a new brainwave that's happening mm -hmm. to me as as we're talking of, of like just this like we are not grossed out by like an apple or a, you know a, a peach from the tree or yeah. or you know like like these these foods that are just like so like it's the easiest thing in the world for us to to, to grab them and eat them but yeah like like think about what it's like to get that steak yeah it's like horrifying you know and and we don't like blood and guts and, no. <laughs> and all and, those things so there's there's a reason I think and you remind me of when I so I lived in India for a while and we at one point we were um I was living on this island and nobody lived on this island like it was completely uninhabited and we stayed there for a month and so we had there was a guy in a boat who would come and deliver our food once a week and everything would be just loaded, like the whole canoe that he would come across on or boat, he would be loaded with vegetables and mm. some rice and lentils and, um, you know, everything we needed to make chai tea. And, um, and it was incredible. Like we were just, we have never been so healthy as I was in that time when I lived in India. And one day though, for some reason, and I don't know why somebody, one of the group, you know, I was with these other people I had met and we were living on this island and if they had asked for chicken, and so he brought over two live chickens 
and a machete. And it was actually what you're saying, like they were all meat eaters. I wasn't, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't kill the chicken. And then mm -hmm. they couldn't, and one person succeeded in doing it. It was traumatizing to watch. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, but then also couldn't eat it afterwards, but they were meat eaters. And right. to have them go through that process of having to do that, like it just, it's just like we're talking about, it's, I think it's just not innate in us. You have to be trained in how to do it. And even in cultures where they do, you know, eat a bit of chicken or lamb, like I know from my grandmother in Africa, it's a ceremonial process. Like you do right. not take a life without giving back and being grateful and gracious. There's a ritual around it. There's a love, a care, yeah. a respect. And they do it once, like maybe for with there's a funeral or a big mass wedding celebration, but it's not every day. And there's so yeah. much care given around it. And, and, and it's not taken for granted, that taking of a life right? Yeah. Bear says for us, it's just like, put them through the slaughterhouse and, you know, kill, 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 kill in some of the most brutal ways. And so, yeah, there's something there to be, yeah, regarded. I've never, I just never have thought about it in that way of like, what, just what our, what is our like innate, mm -hmm. natural response, you know, like, like a wolf is not grossed out when it's like ripping apart a carcass that's like they're just perfectly happy right yeah yeah <laughs> like we are like what is happening over there you know we're, we're like horrified by that yeah and, and as meat eaters we're horrified to watch another animal with that actually does yeah. need meat for sus sustenance and we think that's like so cruel what they're doing i've heard those comments yeah. from people like oh my god i can't believe that animal just did that i'm like but we're doing it every day in our society. Like you just did it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the last, you know, 365 days of your life. Like, you yeah. Know? Or, you know, being horrified that one culture eats dogs or one other yeah. culture eats horses. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Like anyways, that that's where you get down a slippery slope and you kind of like, you can't, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I wish I could call that out, uh, you know, mm -hmm. a little, a little more clearly, you know, um, or just watching uh, children again. I think if we just watch children when they're little, like I remember you just reminded me of my daughters. We'd go visit our friends who have an amazing farm at the end of Pemberton Meadows road. And, you know, mm -hmm. when she was, you know, my little one was two and the other one was five or six and they would go into the garden and just pick the chard, like break out, like not even ask. They were just like, Oh, Look at that. And like the whole garden is full of an abundance of different things. It's not like my children as a two-year-old would be like, okay, I'm going to go pick the chard versus the whatever. But she would just grab the stock right. of chard and just start eating chard raw as a two-year-old. Wow. And I'm like, what two-year-olds do that? Like, and I don't even think she'd probably eaten raw chard before in our house. She maybe had it in a smoothie or maybe like it was always cooked, but like, mm. and I had to watch that happen. And I don't think she would even have gone into the grocery store ever and just grabbed chard mm. and eaten it from the shelf. Yeah. But to watch her do that in a garden as well, just makes me think about, is there innate sensation quality that she's picking up on being in that garden and just knowing that's real food, but also some mm -hmm. of the most nutrient dense food you can get because it hasn't even been picked yet. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh. I know so to much to explore this. <laughs> I know. I think we need to just let a bunch of two-year-olds run around in a farm <laughs> and then just like watch them and document them and see like if we were not to feed them, what would they naturally gravitate to? Like that could be a science experiment, not ethical, of course, I but <laughs> 
I'm quite convinced that none of them would go strangle the baby lamb and turn it into veal. Like I'm quite convinced that that wouldn't happen. No, <laughs> they, they would. would yeah, they, and that's exactly it. what happens too. And I've brought my kids to farms, so like, especially like to the petting, you know, Maplewood Petting Zoo, which is an education, you know, um, you know, farm to teach people about how to love and care for animals. And again, like you let the kids loose in there and what do they do? They want to go and cuddle the baby lambs and they want to yeah. go in, like hug the cows and they just naturally want to hug them, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, who knows? I bet somebody's done this experiment somewhere in the world. I'm going to go try and find mm -hmm. a study. And <laughs> But um, interesting, interesting. So some things I want to chat with you about are your music. Let's chat about your music because your music is quite beautiful. It is just genuinely comforting and um, always draws me into a story. And I love how on your website, you talk about how your music before might've been about storytelling about you, but now your music has moved into, you know, really connecting to other people's stories and allowing people to see their own stories through your music, which I just think is beautiful. Um, and rich in itself, you know, even before diving into your music, but it is exactly what your music does. And so how did you get into this beautiful world of music that you're in and, and performing and playing and composing? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the really long story is like, you know, going back to me at four years old, <laughs> like, you know, learning violin, piano, that, that kind of stuff. I was, you know, uh, privileged to have, uh, you know, instruments uh, around and, and, and lessons and that kind of stuff. But I didn't really, uh, you know, connect to it in, in the way that I did until I picked up the guitar and I started, I, as soon as I picked up the guitar, I started writing songs. Mm. Um, that was, that was, there was just something that, that instrument just sparked in me and, and, but even then, I, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be a musician, uh, for, like for my career until uh, actually I was in my, my last year of, of theater school. And, um, you know, I, I was obviously like into performing, I was in theater school. Uh, and, and I had been playing music throughout, but we were actually doing a, a production of this show called The Laramie Project, which is about um, this young man named Matthew Shepard, who was a victim of a hate crime because he was gay. Mm. Um, There's a really beautiful play called The Laramie Project written about him. And, and uh, the director, this woman named Marion McIsaac, uh, wonderful woman, still friends with her. And um, she knew that I had been writing songs and she had kind of caught wind of it. And she asked... Uh, if I would write a song to end the show instead of you know, it's it's such a sad show and such a sad ending mm -hmm. she didn't feel like it was appropriate for us to all kind of come out and do this like big you know bowing curtain call kind of thing rather she wanted a, a, a sort of more poignant solemn moment so mm -hmm. uh, I wrote this song um, called The Fence and the way that we said goodbye to the audience was the, the cast came out. Like I, I came out, I started the song in the first half of it. And then the rest of the cast came out with these candles. And I wrote this kind of like four part harmony and, and, and we sang this song and that's kind of how we said goodbye. And she pulled me aside at the, the cast party. And she said, you know, I think you could, you could do this for your, for your career. And, you know, wow. she was one of those, those teachers, one of those mentors that I just admired so much. And so I kind of 
filed that in my brain in an, in an important drawer. And, and then, and then a few months later I saw, you know, one of my favorite artists, Glenn Hansard play for the first time and, and everything just kind of converged in that moment. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that for the rest of my career. And, and then I, and then I really threw myself into it. And, and I, I determined really quickly that the only way that I was going to have any chance of doing it was I needed to do it all the time. And mm -hmm. so that's why I ended up just kind of going on the road. I, I was playing 150 to 200 shows a year and most of the shows were, were terrible. Oh, um, hold on, hold on. So as I'm hearing this story, I'm like, I'm yeah. just in awe of so many aspects of it. So number one, a mentor comes up and says, you know what, you can do this as a career. And you actually are like, yes, I'm going mm -hmm. to go do that. Like, I love that you just, I would have, I come, you know, I grew up in a, in an environment where there wasn't a lot of trust. And so for me, I would have been like, that mentor does not know what the hell she's talking about. She clearly doesn't have an ear for music and you're bullshitting me. So I'm like out, like, and then go in the opposite direction and become an accountant. Like that's what right. I would have done. So I'm just, I love that you just had this beautiful person. You had that trust in, in knowing. So, but then all of a sudden now you're doing like 150 shows a year. So what happened in there? Cause I know people who are listening to this all have dreams. Everybody out there in the world is like, I wanted to be a musician. I want to be an actor. I wanted to be a performer or a creator or, or it, it, it doesn't matter what career it is. You could be a creator or as an accountant, but yeah. they didn't fulfill those dreams. They didn't walk that path. So let's just take me through how you did get from that moment with your mentor to playing 150 shows a year. Well, uh, yeah, I guess I should say I skipped a few steps there. I, I did start by playing many open mics. Okay, <laughs> and good. <laughs> kind of build, building it up from there. Uh, like, but I mean, I, I, I think there's a few variables and it's interesting because this kind of works its way into my keynote as, as well. I, I, don't, I don't sort of go, I don't actually even tell my sort of cancer scare story um, in, in any of my keynotes. But, um, you know, when I was, when I was 19, which was in my first year of university, uh, they thought I, I collapsed at school. They found this tumor behind my heart. They thought I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. Um, it turned out to not be that, but I, I, I had a sort of vague diagnosis for about two years. I didn't get the all clear until my fourth year of university, which is actually wow. around the same time when I wrote that song and saw Glenn play. So um, there was that experience of being in a hospital room of having a doctor say to me, you have an 80, good news, you have an 85% chance of survival. Um, you just can't compute that when you're 19 years old. Anything other than 100%, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And so, and I was very incapacitated at that time. You know, I, I was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't walk 10 feet. And, um, and I was in this room with three other people. And, and I remember, just this, this shift happened in my mind where I, I kind of lost the ability to plan ahead. Mm. Um, and I, I, I just did not, to this day, I never think that I've got all the time in the world, you know, I just, and I, so it just sort of eliminated that 
I think one of the biggest reasons why we don't do something is because, you know, we're, 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 we're thinking, well, what's, you know, how, how, what's this going to add up to, or, you know, what's the long-term this, that, or the other, I was like, well, this is what I, I, I feel called to do. And so I'm going to do it because I don't know what it's, I, I have no guarantee that, that anything is going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I mentioned Oliver Schroer when we were, when we were talking the, the bubbles of calmness guy. And, and uh, you know, I heard that interview around the same time too. And, you know, and this, this is in, in my keynotes, you know, where, you know, that, that state that Oliver found himself in where he realized that he didn't need to, to, to change anything in his life, you know, even though he had such a short amount of time left to live, like to me, that is what happens when you live a life like day in and day out, mm -hmm. remembering that you don't have all the time in the world. And that just fundamentally shifts the decisions that you make. And it fundamentally shifts your, the, the willingness that you have to say yes to the things that scare you. Mm. And, and then I think what happens is, is there's a, there's a momentum that develops where you do these things that scare you. And then in order to rise up, you have to level up. So, um, and so you're, you're kind of putting yourself in the state of like constantly, constantly leveling up. And so you start to see the things that scare you uh, as, as a positive, because I'm like, oh, I feel vulnerable and uncomfortable right now yeah. because I actually really care about what I'm doing. And because I care about what I'm doing, that's why I'm feeling vulnerable and comfortable. So those feelings that of, of I'm afraid of something or like, I don't know how that's going to work out or blah, blah, blah. Like that is actually telling me that's exactly the thing that I should be doing. Mm -hmm. And, and I, so I feel like I've just kind of built that muscle over time. And, and I've just, I've kind of followed it ever since. And it doesn't mean it's been easy. It's, yeah. it's an incredibly difficult path um, following the path that I followed and, and it, it's, it's taken many twists and turns and, and, you know, it, it didn't play out exactly the way that I, I thought it was going to play out. Um, but, you know, like I, I mentioned the mentoring work that I do, you know, like I, I get to go work with these teenagers every summer and, and, and have these amazing experiences. And the only reason I do that work is because that mentoring program was using my songs as part of their curriculum and I had no idea. And I played this show in Fort McLeod in Southern Alberta, a place I'd never been before. And I walked out on stage and there was 300 people there that knew all of my music. And because they, you know, it was, it was part of their, part of this program. And that was wow. at a time where I thought I had totally failed at music and lo and behold, you know, it was working in all these ways that I didn't know. And you know, even my whole speaking career that I have now where I, I, I tell these stories and I play this music and like none of that was part of the plan either. Mm -hmm. But all of these things, I think when we put ourselves on a path of, of following, following those curiosities, following those passions, following those, those, those vulnerabilities, um, it just puts you into this, this whole other realm of possibilities. And yeah. Um, and truthfully, um, like I said, it's, it's not like I, I like walk around on a cloud feeling it, like I have it all figured out. 
but I do walk around feeling like the fact that I feel in over my head is a great sign because I'm just constantly leveling up, constantly totally. leveling up. So, um, so yeah, I guess long answer to your question, but um, the, the, well, look I, at the I, magic I, that I, just came out of that, just from like, <laughs> really, it's like understanding how you went from that moment with your mentor and many moments before that, you know, you wouldn't have been in that position with your mentor if you hadn't already been doing a lot of those things. Right. Um, and holding a guitar in your hand and feeling that it was the right thing instrument to be holding and all of that. So that brought you to your mentor. And then also, you know, making those decisions and doing all of those things that you just said, like saying yes and going all in. Like, I love that, like where you're like, I needed to just go all in. Like that was an important part of it. And, you know, living for this moment as well, like, which is also super important instead of just like trying to figure it all out and plan ahead and thinking that you can force force these actions that you're taking today into an outcome tomorrow it doesn't work that way right and you know just so many beautiful lessons for people to learn in that yeah and i think it it, it you know it it does sort of play into the the, the whole food plant-based thing too of of you know just the, the the reverence that you start to have for your body and for this life and for the preciousness of this preciousness of this life and it, it's like it, it really is all interconnected mm -hmm. um and yeah i think it it is a it is a gift to to have the things that we like to, it's a gift to have the things that you take for granted taken away temporarily yeah. um because you just never see them the same way again i i mean i i'm telling you i it happens to me all the time just walking brings me to tears because, mm -hmm. you know, I shattered my tailless bone. I, I've got multiple screws in there. They, at one point they were talking about amputation and that I might never walk again. And I, I really lived that. I, I, I lived with the experience of what it might be like to never walk. And I know there's maybe some people out there that who, who can't walk right now. And, 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 and I, I, I understand um, that experience, you know, more than most. And, and, you know, I would have still done great things with my life, you know, um, okay. but the, I was, I was lucky that, um, that I, I was able to, you know, get some surgery after a bunch of complications. And, and, um, and I, I, I'd like to think that the, the way that I eat, uh, you know, helps me in my recovery as well. And, and, and now when I can walk, you know, I, it moves me to tears sometimes because mm -hmm. I just, I just feel the, the, the blessing of that. And so I think it is, it is a, it is a powerful thing to, to constantly remember that we don't have all the time in the world and that just fundamentally shapes our choices. You know, um, it certainly has for me. Yeah, no, I definitely lived by many of those principles. I, if people think I'm, you know, often, yeah, a little bit crazy when I'm like, you know what, I like to think of myself on my deathbed often. And I like to think about how will I feel on my deathbed? You know, how will I feel like right now, if this is the end of my life, you know, have I done the things that I wanted to do? And it's not about making a bucket list. Like I want to go jump out of a plane. I want to go do all of those things. It's, but you know, what am I, what am I leaving behind? You know, what, mm -hmm. um, you know, have I done in, in, in right now, if I were, if today was to be the last day of my life, would I go in peace? And yes, I can actually say that, 
you know, almost 99% of the time when I ask that question, I'm like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, no, I've got that one more thing that I have to do, you know, and often it has to do with, you know what, like I didn't speak my truth yet, or I didn't, um, you know, like I want to just really let that client know that, that one thing that I actually wish I told them yesterday or that, um, you know, I really want to interview that one person, you know, like yourself or, you know, it's not always, you know, like a huge, 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 massive name. Like I don't have those, those bucket list ideas. It's more just about the connection to the people that, you know, mean a lot to me in this world. And so, but yeah, 99% of the time I'm like, I'm good to go right now. And, and people have to go, what, how is that possible? But it does, it guides my decision for the next day. Like, okay, right now. I know I, I, that thing that I was thinking I had to do that won't make a difference in how I feel about myself, but this will. And then I take that route and, and it helps me. And I really encourage people to get into that place because it's a really shitty thing sometimes to be like, this could be the end of your day, but it's actually the truth. This actually could be the end of your life in this very next moment. Yeah. It's funny. This one producer who I I made several albums with, and I kind of do this every time I'm making an album, like there's, there's always a point in time where you realize that like the album is going to get finished. You're, you're like, you're like, you know, 75% of the way there, like the vocals are done or whatever. And so every time I would leave him, cause we would sort of do it in these chunks, I would say, okay, like in a very matter of fact way, I'm like, okay, so if, if I die, like, make sure you do this, 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 this. And he's like, why are you saying that? I'm like, I'm serious. Like, I'm so proud of this album. We're not quite finished. Yeah. And I just want to make sure that, you know, if anything happens, like, I'm not upset about this. I'm just like, if anything happens, just, you know, make sure you get this guy on, on, you know, I, it'd be awesome to have strings on this. Like, and yeah. I would just sort of spell it out. And I wasn't trying to be cheeky or morbid or whatever. Yeah. I was like, no, I just, I really want to make sure this album comes out in this, it, like with that on it. So I'm just telling you so that, you know, you know, <laughs> I'm laughing because I do that all the time with my staff and I've never yeah. actually stopped to think about like, how are they interpreting this? But I do say that I'm like, Hey, listen, if I die, don't forget, we, you have all the knowledge now put it into an education program for elementary school students. Cause they need right. this information that food is medicine, you know, so that even though I'm going to die, like we are still going to be pushing this forward. And so I say that yeah. stuff all the time. And I mean, and that's the same thing. And I don't feel, you know, it's not morbid. It's not cheeky. It's not any of those things. It's just that truly like I'm doing the work that I love doing in my life and please carry it forward because, you know, just good work that needs to be done. I think, right. Just like your music, good music that needs to be listened to and heard by others. So let's just, let's just keep pushing it forward. And I think that's a good sign that you're probably on track doing the things that you know, you're supposed to be doing versus I know I could hear a lot of people right now being like, I got to stop doing that and that and that and that, because it's not the stuff that I want to push forward or have somebody else push right. forward after I die. So it is a really good, um, it's a, it's just a good little perspective tool. Yeah. We all have those moments, you know, like you're driving your car and then all of a sudden like, poof, you like nearly get into a car accident and you like, you realize like, you know, or, you know, I, I have this photo of, you know, that, that when I fell off the cliff, you know, like I, what happened was that we were doing this rappel off this like hundred foot thing. And, and, you know, I was very concerned with the kid's safety. Didn't think about my own safety and I didn't rig myself up properly and, you know, went over the edge and, uh, you know, the rope was just flying through this device. I, you know, hit the ground very quickly, uh, seconds later. Um, 
but I have a photo of me like about to go over the edge. I'm like all smiles, just like here I am. And then, you know, I would have been dead a second later. Um, And that's how fast it is. And so it's, it's not, it's not morbid. It's not, it's just true. It's just like, Mm -hmm. obviously it's, it's, it's highly unlikely that it's going to happen. But it's entirely possible. And, and it's a power, you know, I, again i say this in my talks you know i i play oliver's tune the song i wrote for for oliver shore i've played that song about two thousand times i've done it at every single show and i didn't realize what i was doing but i really attribute the fact that i'm still here all these years later still doing this thing is that i i created this ritual in my life it was mm-hmm. like a night nightly ritual of reminding myself that I don't have all the time in the world by playing that yeah. song and telling Oliver's story. And it was, I can tell you of many, many, many moments where it was annoying to me because I wanted to just forget that and like yeah. quit and just like do something easier. Um, but it's like sort of like, you know, Paulo Coelho writes in The Alchemist, like, you know, once your heart has spoken to you, you can never unknow it. And so, I knew what I know what my heart wants. I can't unknow it. I can't unhear it. And so I might as well surround myself with these reminders <laughs> to keep myself on track. Um, yeah. Wow, Peter. Yeah, that is a beautiful way to wrap up the show because you and I can keep talking for hours. <laughs> um, what's the name of the camp, by the way? Because just so people can find it. Yeah, it's called Faces uh, and FacesEducation.com. And, and I'm actually, you know, they've been really hard hit by, uh, you know, as, as so many people have, but uh, they've been really hard hit both by, um, you know, by COVID not being able to run. And then also there's just been a lot of funding model changes in Alberta. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I, I'm on a mission to raise a million bucks to, uh, to keep Faces going forever. So FacesEducation.com, you can... Uh, find out all about that amazing and people can go to your site and go to your shop section and they can buy a t-shirt and albums and all sorts of things and all the proceeds 50 percent of the proceeds i see can go towards um to the board spaces which is incredible as well and to find you peter where do people find you in your beautiful music and well, your peter and your not just music but even hire you to speak as well at these events yeah, so petercats.com and petercatspeaks.com, although the, the speaking stuff is also linked at, at petercats.com. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in all the places at Peter Katz Music uh, is on all the socials. And, and uh, Amazing. yeah, I'm happy to send you some great plant-based recipes or some great music or <laughs> anything in between. Some uh, inspiration. Yeah, you're a wealth of inspiration. Yeah. And do you have a new album coming out? To, did I see that somewhere? Or did it just well, so come we, out? It, well, it just came out, unfortunately, in the in the thick of of uh, the original release date was supposed to be uh, April third, twenty twenty, which was we 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 pushed it as far as we could, um, but I, I had received some some funding and stuff around it, so there was a a limit to how long we could push mm-hmm. it. So, um, we our plan is, I think, you know, when things reopen, uh, you know, uh, we'll do like a sort of re-release of it. Um, but but it is out there and, and available now. It's called City of Our Lives. And then 
and then I just recently put out Calm Within the Storm, uh, which was just a single for for Dr. Robin Henry Defoe's book. So, but there'll be love more it. coming too. I love it. Yeah, because we are going to be making some music together as well for our documentary that's coming up, which is Fruit of Our Ancestors. So I'm super excited about that. And um, yeah, and just um, yeah, there's going to be lots more coming down the pipe through you and the beautiful work that you create in the plant-based whole food movement, the vegan world your music, the camps with your mentoring. So yes, everybody go check out Peter Katz. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show. Um, what is one piece of information, one tip that you want to just give our audience uh, who potentially are hearing everything that you just said for the first time? What do you want to leave them with? Uh, the number one thing that I've been working on and I, I think is the most important thing for all of us is like, all of this needs to be wrapped in a in a in a in a blanket of self-love and self-compassion you know like any kind of any change anything that we're struggling with anything that we might be frustrated with ourselves um if we can meet that with love and compassion for ourselves uh it just creates this space around it where it becomes more manageable and uh, and then we can actually, you know, make those changes that we want to make. So whether you're able to be whole food plant based right away or, or, or not, or you're, you know, you're, you're not living your dream right now or any of those things, like if we can just meet that energy with, um, you know, loving compassion for ourselves, mm. I think that is the, that is step one. That's beautiful. That is, yeah. That is, I definitely, I'm meeting myself there daily. I have to, it's a practice that I have to take and it's always good to be reminded um, that we need to do that. So yeah, get yourself an accountability partner, people out there to remind you if you do forget these brilliant words of wisdom from Peter to have somebody remind you just to, yeah, love, love, love and have self-compassion for wherever you at, wherever you are at in this moment. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, there's, a, there's a great meditation. The um, one last thing, the, the meta yeah, meditation. Yeah, let's dive of, into that. Uh, 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 which I do in the morning is, is, you know, may I be free from pain and suffering. May I be filled with loving kindness. And may I meet each moment with an open heart. Mm. And that's like a, that's a daily morning practice and that you can just do for yourself. And then eventually once you filled that cup, then you can start wishing that for other people and sending that out. So that's something I do to nurture, to nurture that love and compassion. So. That's it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Nicolette. That is, that, that's it. Just that's it. <laughs> you have been a wealth of wisdom. I'm going to be pulling out like the top 10, 15 ways to live by Peter Katz out of this podcast. It's, um, <laughs> it's been remarkable. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Here we are. And folks, you know what my one and only request is at the end of any of these, these shows. And it is to please share this podcast with someone that you know who can benefit from the wisdom of Peter. And please, it is so important that you take the time to, you know, if you're driving in your car and listening to the podcast, safely pull over and press share on the podcast or set a reminder for yourself so that you do it when you get home, because it is through storytelling that we have the ability to change people's lives. And I know through our podcast, 
it actually is the difference between not only changing life, but saving a life as well. Because a plant-strong whole foods diet is responsible for reclaiming mental health, reclaiming body health, liberating yourself from the pain and the lack of energy that keeps us from living our very best life. So thanks everyone for sharing this. And remember to head over to our new website at greenmustache.com and get on the wait list to learn more about when we launch all of our courses in 20. 22. Have an amazing day and go out there and make someone else's day amazing too. Bye for now.